You're listening to Fun Shack, the podcast, episode two. I'm Ross Butler, and today I'm speaking with Sam Barton, partner at Hydra Consulting. Sam's an experienced private equity-focused public relations advisor with clients across the UK and Europe. These days, every private equity firm seems to have a PR person on call, so I'm interested to find out what can be achieved by professional media relations. Also, I'm interested to get his take on the media's perception of private equity, the media channels and outlets that he favours, and how he advises his clients in the face of opportunity and diversity. Let's find out. Sam Barton, welcome to Fun Shack. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So you're one of private equity's kind of preeminent public relations advisors? Absolutely. <laughs> Is it, uh, is, is it busy out there? Is lots of news flow? Lots of things happening? Yeah, um, yes, very much so. It's, um, as, as has been widely reported, there's a, a ton of cash sloshing about in the private equity industry. There's uh, only about half of them seem to know what to do with it. There's um, Prices are too high for most of them to invest, so they're not doing a great deal. But at the same time, they're all feverishly trying to exit things while prices are still high. Lots of people expecting a downturn or a recession, um, and there's still plenty of debt and covenant-like loans and all sorts of things. So uh, yeah, everyone's having a whale of a time. Yeah, that's right. So I saw I saw an FT headline this week, which is you know obviously there's been huge amounts of money raised, but this year is predicted to be like much much bigger. The the big question is where what are people what are the returns from this vintage going to be like and I'd be amazed uh, if, you, if you look back at the financial crisis obviously 2005, 6, 7 vintages didn't do very well but 9 and 10 were amazing so I, th- I think it's going to be very hard for people to make money out of funds being raised this year Is it <laughs> is it fear or greed that drives uh, PR in private equity primarily? You could say raising another fund is, is greed but I don't think that's I don't think that's quite right and, and I think, you know, fundraising is one of the key reasons they employ PRs. Um, maybe fear on the crisis management side is is a is an accurate description, but um, I think it's I think it's more done through due process. Hmm. I was thinking more, you know, are they seeking attention or are are they seeking, dis, you know, to distract people? Well, um, it's always been very um, it's always been very private. Hmm. And outside of outside of fundraising, I don't know. I don't know of a firm that would say that would be seeking. There are individuals that seek attention. Hmm. The John Moltons and Guy Hands of the world, um, but they uh, they tend to manage that very successfully hmm. on their own. Are press releases still the the uh, document of choice for private equity public relations? I think they have to be. They're, uh, they are the slightly bland fuel that our industry runs on, sadly. Um, they don't have to be, surely. N- well, they're, they're always going to be a part of it. They're a necessity. Um, if, you, if you have some news, you need to crystallise it, and it would seem to, a press release would seem to be the best way of doing that. But it's, they're far from the majority of what we do. I mean, they're, they're, they are actually a, a tiny part of it, but you do need them on announcement morning. Just uh, they used to run them down Fleet Street by hand, you know. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> but 
but that but that's kind of my point that's why i asked the question i feel like the world has moved on and and uh, and many other industries have moved on like in the tech sector or even in parts of the venture sector yeah people just blog about the new deal or, or whatever or tweet about it even and yeah. um, obviously you want a bit more content than a tweet but frankly most press releases don't have any more much more content than a tweet well so if you if you were asked to get some news out to the market how would you how would you go about it if you were just tweeting it? I mean, it would have to link back to something with some more. I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't tweet about it. But I would. I, I think I would, if I were a managing partner of a firm. I'd say forget about the press release. Just send out like what, what people. But then you're going to say, as a PR, you'd say, well, if we forget about the press release, how are we going to get the news to? Okay, we can we can tweet it to the journalists. No, no, no. <laughs> what you do is this. What journalists absolutely love yeah. are these letters. You know, the Berkshire Hathaway letters and the. You know the 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 uh, the late night missives from the hedge fund managers, which oh look I've got my hands on this and it has a little bit of an aura because it's it's directly from his desk. He's written it. Um, forget the fact that he's actually posted it on his website and it's yeah. still gone through the whole approval process. Of course, and it was it's by the PR yeah no I know it was, but it's <laughs> but it's got his name, it's got his signature at the bottom, and, yeah. it's, and it's like we've done this, and it's like well so why not why not just do that because it's particularly it might might look like a bit of a gimmick, but actually it's it's probably. It's, it's more authentic, isn't it, than you know London, Paris, 0600, under strict embargo, and then <laughs> and then like you got these two quotes: "We are delighted to have been invested in." We are delighted to invest in, and it just it seems to me kind of nineteenth century, almost. Yeah, you might you might be onto something. There is there's maybe a way to mix up the entire uh, PR industry. Mm, so so when things do get serious and say there's a real crisis in the portfolio, and what's your what's your first move? How do you advise your clients on that? Um, well, firstly, we spend a long time discussing these things with with the client and going back and forward, often over, um, you know, often back and forward over very similar ground a number of times because there are often a lot of personalities involved, um, not all of whom will be particularly used to the situation, and you know, it's it's I think it's sort of therapeutic to talking go on the front foot if possible uh, because. If you if you simply shut shut up shop and say no comment we're not you know then the journalist in question or journalists will tend to fill that vacuum with their own analysis with commentary from other people that might not be particularly complimentary. It's got to be generally right to uh, to engage, doesn't it? Although I do, whenever I think about this, I often think of the you know the AA uh, saga mm. problems, but it's a long time ago now, but more than ten years ago when. You know, it all kicked off with the unions, yeah. and it was jointly held by Pamira and CVC 50-50, and Pamira engaged with the media. CVC didn't, mm. and Pamira got a- attacked like, really savagely. This was the... Uh, the Dame the, of Buffini. Yeah. And, and CVC barely got mentioned. It was really poor journalism in, in that sense, mm. but it's, but it, and it seemed totally unfair. But it was also kind of a salutary lesson. I think you could you could take away really the wrong lessons from that. Uh, you could say always keep your head in the sand. And mm. I think it's probably just really unfortunate one of those things. But but it but it also there probably is a good lesson in there, which is just because you're engaging doesn't mean you're going to win people over. Maybe sometimes people are just looking for a target. When you do put your head up, when you invest in PR and, and start talking about yourself proactively, you inevit- inevitably. The flip side of that is you get more attention in the event of a crisis. And Damon Buffini was a fairly high-profile character in the private equity industry, um, and the unions found out which church he went to. 
Mm. Um, and and that was and he was kind of an easy target on that basis. Um, I don't I don't know what CPC did. Um, I've, I've got no not idea. much. Not, not much. much. Okay. Yeah. Whenever I'm talking about crisis management, I always think of um, the thick of it. <laughs> um, obviously, classic TV series, and 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 trying to adopt a bit of the Malcolm Tucker approach. But You'll have to explain that. I've not seen it. To, to swear and threaten the journalist until they're not <laughs> what you want. Um, but uh, unless you're representing the prime minister, that, doesn't re- that probably doesn't really work very well because you're, you know, you, you, the, the relationship with the journalist is um, you know, more often than not, as a advising private equity firms, you are wanting the, the journalist to, to write favourable things about you and you don't have a, an enormous amount to offer them in return other than we'll keep sending you <laughs> information about our client and, mm. and you know we might give you an interview down the line or something it's not you know we you don't have um the luxury of of being a bit more aggressive i guess about about how you deal with those situations yeah that feels like just a, an easy thing to do but it's building a, a kind of a an honest long-term relationship with a journalist mm. you know it takes time and effort and maybe the you know I think there is a, a, a lot of point in, in building relationships. I think that, um, you know, it's certainly a key part of what we do with clients. Um, and it, it certainly helps in the event of a crisis if the journalist in question knows about the, the firm in question. They, you know, they know how they operate. They know about their good stories as well as whatever, whatever terrible thing is happening. And it tends to um, result in a more, even if it's, even if it, it's no more positive, it tends to result in a more informed piece and a more intelligent um, reading of events. What's your view on um, <clears throat> on the fair treatment that private equity receives? In I know you m- mainly operate acro- across Europe and the UK. How how do you think uh, you know media treats private equity generally? Um, actually, it's, that's quite timely because this week um, there have been a number of articles in the Times. About about AA firstly, um, and also about Debenhams, and it seems like there is with Debenhams there is a current very current angle. Uh, they they obviously had some very well publicised issues following after private equity ownership once that when, when they listed ten years ago or so mm. longer actually now. Um, but the article, but but for some reason a, a lot more has been written in terms of the commentary about private equity's behaviour, even though this. You know, talking a long time ago now about how they how they managed the company, um, you know what what they did in terms of um, raising debt against it and so on. I, I suppose as part of a longer article uh, uh, that's analysing analysing the company and the situation, that's fair. But um, I think it's a little bit retrospective that and, and not representative of the private equity industry. Yeah, that's my feeling as well. Generally, although the, I think Debenhams was. An opco propco, wasn't it? And that yeah. that kind of stuff, it really does. Yeah, it doesn't. It lingers, you know. Very much so, um, and it probably doesn't reflect reflect well on the on the on the owners. But um, you know, the vast majority of the, and I'm not expecting journalists to to write. Oh, but by the way, the vast majority of the private do <laughs> doesn't <laughs> do this. Um, but the vast majority of the private industry is about growth. Um, you know, um, it, and it, and that doesn't seem to have been reflected particularly well in those those articles but on balance i would say certainly compared to 10 years ago the 
media is far more um, informed, far more um, far more balanced about private equity. I think in in the UK certainly, um, in Germany I believe it's a bit still a bit um, less favourable. They still talk about locusts. Um, okay. One thing that is interesting in the UK is the the restaurant sector, which has been going through a very uncomfortable time recently, and there, and there are tons of private equity owned chains in the mid in the mid market. Um, and actually, there I think, and there's been a lot of media commentary about them as well. But there's been very little criticism of private equity, and I think that's that's quite encouraging, um, because maybe it's because the, the types of reporters that are covering those businesses, the you know the the, the retail uh, and leisure correspondents, whatever. Um, are aware of some of the bigger structural problems in the industry, massive rises in business rates and things like that. Um, lots of people from the continent going home because of Brexit and so on. Um, there hasn't really been any huge focus on private equity as a terrible owner of high street businesses because look at um, Patisserie Valerie, look at um, Poundland, look at XYZ. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, what, what, what are journalists interested in? Is it is it mainly transactional stuff or can you sell in thought leadership and general trend type news to help some of your clients, you know, get a little bit of uh, positioning? Yeah, you, ca you can. They, um, I think by and large, they are primarily interested in hard news. Um, but uh, the advantage of uh, magazines having to cut loads of staff because of the internet, <laughs> is that um, they they are a bit short short of time um, in many cases. So if you can put together a, a, a well thought through idea for an article, it, and it, it, I mean the key is always not to be promotional of the client, um, but to to come up with something that's that's of broad interest. Um, then yeah, they they're very happy to have have bylined articles of, of that nature. So you had a good hit. This morning, actually, I saw that uh, from eFront, which is a mutual client of ours, they get some good thought leadership coverage in the, in the trade press. It's probably a little bit too mm. kind of technical for, for the general press, although you probably have had some FT hits with it. Oh, we have, yeah. <laughs> so where do people want to be? Is it the, is it the FT? Yeah, it's, it is the FT, usually. Um, if, if we're talking about print media, um, print and online, the FT is, uh, for, for private equity firms, is always... Uh, has always been at the top of the the tree. It depends on the it depends on what you what you were talking about as well. Whether it's a, a deal or whether it's something more thought leadership, then you know there's plenty. I think there's plenty of room for everyone. Um, you obviously have to be a bit sensitive about. Um, you can't give the FT an exclusive every time you do something because um, all the other titles will find that quite uh, disappointing. So tell us a little bit about the world of exclusives. I mean, why why do you why do you do that? Why don't you just send it out to everyone? And if it's good enough, people will, will cover it. Um, You're looking at me like I'm very naive. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there are certain papers, and the FT is one of them, that will very rarely write something unless they have it exclusively. Right. Um, that's not true of you know if. If Microsoft buys Apple or vice versa, they're obviously going to write about it. But um, uh, if if it's uh, a, a mid-market transaction, for example, or a fundraising um, for a specific firm or, or a piece of research, it's 
unlikely to be something that they would they would write in the general run of their news. I understand. We, if, the, if that's the structure of, of the market, that that's fine. I just wonder why people worry so much because, I mean, when it comes to deal news, I always mm. kind of read deal news and I kind of think if it's if it's your deal, yeah, you really care, and if it's not your deal, you don't care at all. And I, sometimes I get the impression that journalists don't quite don't quite get that point that some general industry news like trends mm. everyone's interested in and it might not be you know in on inverted commas hard news yeah but it is of general interest hard news is always about the specific and if it's and unless it's like maybe if it's a deal you missed out on sure you're going to take more interest but generally speaking someone else's deal is someone else's deal mm. and you know you might get a lot of feedback from good or bad from the people you're writing about but no one else is going to care I think there's there is a lot in that. Um, it's like uh, back in the old days when you used to go to record shops and just look look to see if they've got the records you already have. Um, <laughs> um, I, th- I think that's true. There's, you know, you, I don't think many industry practitioners read through pri- the private industry press looking for general deal news. Um, they'll 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 pick it up and read their own one, and then, <laughs> as you say, look for something that's a bit more broad based, a bit more trend related something that's a bit more analytical perhaps yeah do you ever advise your clients to do anything slightly slightly edgier like oh i don't know podcasts no <laughs> <laughs> don't sugarcoat it um i've, I've heard some private podcasts um some of the big buyout houses do their own their own internal podcasts with members of the team there isn't really at the moment until fun shack oh yeah um an outlet for for that sort of thing. You can you can hire you know you can hire a, a team to come in and do a video case study or something like that. But there's no there is no private equity podcast. Yeah, well, I I knew the answer would be no because there has been pretty much zero opportunity at least on this side of the pond mm. to do. And, and I didn't just mean podcast, I mean video or whatever it is. It's all the all the media in private equity so far has been. And obviously, this is an incredibly loaded question, but mm. has been basically print or you know digital written. Yeah. Um, it's not the case in the US so much. There are a growing number of, and also mm. for venture capital, they're a little bit, little bit more on the ball. But um, yeah, broadcast journalism is mm. uh, is scarier, and much. it takes some getting used to. Yeah, and not many people are comfortable with that. Yeah, um, but this isn't live, of course. So it's no. and most of these things aren't. Most of these things you get kind of edit rights as you do with most most print media these days if you're going right. to engage with the process. The other option is the is the mainstream broadcast press, I guess, the likes of Bloomberg TV, um, BBC Breakfast, get people on on things like that, the Today program. Um, uh, but as you say, people tend to be a, a bit more wary of that that type of thing, and and you also have to work a lot harder to to leverage your your client into into those sorts of conversations because they're they're very. Um, uh, broad it's mainstream media, right? Exactly. Yeah, so. you, I'm sure you have to work very hard to get them there, and once they're there, they're in a very high risk situation exactly. as well. So, and it takes a certain personality to be comfortable with that. And there's no, there's no easy way of, um, there's no easy way of rehearsing. No. Because once you're on air, you're, you're stuck. You're, <laughs> you're on your own. Yeah. No. That um, the the very prospect and, is making my hands sweat. And it doesn't matter how much you've you've prepped and done Q and A's and and things with with whoever your advisors are, you you still can't predict how first time out 
on mm. a on a live mm. program or, or 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 even a recorded program. You can't tell how you're going to react necessarily. Yeah, I'm sure most people are, are great, but <laughs> I can see why a few people do. Yeah, I can see. I can't see much upside for, for private equity in doing that kind of live broad, broadcast media. No, and it it doesn't go to their uh, stakeholders anyway. No, exactly, exactly. Um, so it's only really for people who want the personal profile and who think that contributes in some way either to their own ego or to their own fundraising or yep. other business interests. Yeah. What about what about Brexit? Is that something your clients ask you much about? There certainly hasn't been that much with regards to private equity and Brexit in the media in the last year or so, given that it hasn't been out of the news generally. No, which is a relief, to be honest, because mm. I spend so much of my time trying to avoid hearing about it in the, from the mainstream media. Um, it's me too. It's quite pleasing that it's not um, also in the private equity press. No, they, I think they've taken quite a matter-of-fact approach to it, and they tend to. Re- be very happy to report. Um, you know, uh, we had a report a couple of weeks ago on um, how private equity, how Brexit affected private equity calls and distributions in the UK. Um, oh, this was an e-front report. It was an e-front. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, um, and they're very happy to write about things like that that are um, research pieces um, and, and sort of not not taking a particular stand. But I, don't, I haven't really seen much commentary on it. No, well, I guess there's not that much to say because no one not no one knows what's going on, right? But no, and the vast majority of private equity are for remain, right? So yeah, yeah. There's a limit to to what you know. You're just shouting into the echo chamber, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you Hydra Consulting, your yeah. firm has launched this um, a, a private equity roundup, monthly roundup. That's yeah. That's yeah, very. I, th- I thought it was very good. What I liked about it was that. You know, so I already get, obviously, that roundups, I get kind of various news aggregators. Um, but what I liked about it is that it wasn't just the the um, the kind of the headline. You provided some context, and so you can scan through. I really liked it. And obviously, you featured Funshack as well, which Absolutely. which is a very, very wise choice. Yeah. And more, more to come next month on that. Absolutely. Maybe even this. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. We'll see how the edit goes. Yeah. Sam, you've been a wonderful guest thanks for uh, Thank sparing the time you've been listening to the fund shack podcast make sure you subscribe and visit our website fund-shack.com for many more video interviews it's the private capital channel for alternative investment professionals thanks for listening